It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Hope everybody is doing their best right now as we're going through this crazy time in our world. I'm Tony Bruski, host of Real Ghost Stories Online. Wanted to invite you and let you know about our other brand new podcast that we just launched, Help Kill the Time for You. It's called The Dark Side of Wikipedia. It's about true crime and dark history. We dive into some of the strangest, most disturbed minds and experiences from our history and examine their story, their Wikipedia entry, and then discuss the cases, the individuals, and the psychology of the events as we go through each and every story. Some of our first episodes include Ed Gein, the BTK killer, the New London School explosion, Amityville murders, Richard Speck, Amelia Dyer, the General Slocum disaster, Jeffrey Dahmer, and more. New episodes every single week. Check out Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search it. Subscribe wherever you download podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. It's available now with new episodes every single week. Dark Side of Wikipedia. Search and subscribe today and stay safe out there. What is it like to have a ghost that resides among the living as part of the family? Today, we hear about a family spirit on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is, an 855-853-4802, the phone number to call in and share your real ghost story with us or write in through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Dot com. Just click Tell Us Your Ghost Story, and uh, you can share it that way. We have all the bonus content. We've been putting it out for many, many years. We have new content every single week that we put out as a thank you in exchange for the supporters of our program. We call them EPPs, Extra Podcast People. These episodes are jam-packed with some of the best ghost stories that we've ever gotten into the show. If you want access to all that, about 300 bonus episodes, and like I said, new ones every single week. And you get our ebook, our audio book, all of that included when you become an extra podcast person. Sign up to become one at ghostpodcast.com. There you'll get access to that, all the regular episodes of the show, ad-free, and you get them weeks in advance of their normal release. You can also sign up at patreon.com slash real ghost stories to support us there. Same content, both places, just different platforms. One's uh, one of our websites. The other one is the Patreon platform. Patreon's got the app and uh, lots of great ways to use it there. So whatever you prefer, uh, check it out. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. And, and what's going on in your world this fine day of quarantine? 
Uh, it's the beginning of our fifth week of quarantine. Is that where we're at? That's where we're at. I, I looked it up because Libby's spring break uh-huh. was our first week. So this is the beginning of our fifth week. No shit. I've lost track. This is being recorded on the 13th of uh, April. April. And um, this is going to be released about May 6th. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on in the world on May 6th, but it seems in some ways shorter, in some ways longer. What does it feel like to you? Um, I just forget what day it is. It's yeah. like, um, I mean, you and I record our shows all on one day. And yeah. then other than that, who fucking knows what day it is? It's just like, yeah. it's like weekend constantly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And I totally get it. It's kind of funny when I talk to people right now and it's like, I work from home and they're like, Oh, quarantine. Like, no, I always work from home. <laughs> I'm always there. Um, so like that part of my day, you know, my, my normal work day hasn't changed all that much. Um, into this just because I'm in here every day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hasn't changed. The only thing I, I see more of is people out my window. Um, and then we can't go out to like restaurants or stores uh, yeah. or anything. And that, that part kind of, that's, that's the part that, um, that sucks. I, I think, cause it, it's been kind of like the, you know, we'll get out and do something, but we've been doing some driving around in the country bought a house, bought a farm. Yeah. So I guess we have had some excitement in the last couple of days. And we managed to do it social distance style. We did. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots. Uh, and we didn't really go through that many houses when we were looking. No. We just uh, brought a lot of Lysol and wipes and didn't touch anything. And everybody, for the most part, on the same page with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess we can't, we can't, so we haven't had any excitement during the no, we've had a little excitement. It's just, you know, when you work from home and you live at home, you'll go out and go golf or you'll go, mm-hmm. you know, hit some golf balls at the driving range or you'll go to a store. And sometimes I will go out just to walk around at a shopping center or whatever. It, and the purpose of that is just for us to get out. It's not like we we miss shopping or no. we miss eating Exercise. out. It, it's, it's, it's a change of scenery. It's to get out of the house because everybody needs that. Yeah. So that's what we're missing the most right now is just the, the ability to to get, you know, away a little bit. So that's yeah. why we were out driving in the country and ended up buying a farm. So <laughs> like, oh, really missing doing anything. How about we buy a farm right over? Let's do that one right there. That'll work. But we've always wanted one. So yeah. it's it's not a it, it's not a surprise for those who know us. Yeah. But it's kind of a, a there, surprise that it's now. There was frustration building where we're at. Um, in terms of everyone's on top of each other and we're just surprisingly we do this show but you you listen for a long time we're not people people when it comes to being with strangers if we're at an event and all of our listeners are there that's different everybody likes us we like them we're all good we're not good with complete strangers who aren't on the same page yeah so that's kind of how how we work um ooh creepy van driving by it's like squirrel um <laughs> <laughs> Big creepy white van, unmarked. <laughs> Rusty. It's a serial killer. Exactly. It's, it's a BTK car. It really was. Um, but anyway, uh, we like our space. We like kind of just being mm-hmm. out by you know ourselves. And I think I know a lot of folks are like that. And this, uh, everything that's been going on kind of solidified that, I think, for us. Yeah. In terms of what we really want and, you know. Life's too short. So anyway, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our first letter. 
It says, my name is Jenny. I live in Northeast Pennsylvania, very close to the Delaware River. My ghostly experience went as follows. Let's roll back the clock about 15 years and enter a small old steel mill town on the north, uh, on the New Jersey side of the Delaware River. This town is full of small old factory homes. Many of them have histories of hauntings, but this home was being rented by an acquaintance of mine. She, her husband, and four children had been living in it for a few years before I had the opportunity to stop in. The day I stopped in was lovely spring day, about three o'clock in the afternoon. As I entered the home, I was welcomed by her son and his friends, all having a good time laughing and joking in the tiny but brightly lit kitchen. The boys told me to go on through. Mom is around the corner in the living room. So I thanked them and went in the direction that they pointed. As I walked into the living room, the mom met me and welcomed me in her home. She and I engaged in pleasant conversation, but within minutes, I found it hard to concentrate on what the woman was saying. All my attention was being drawn to the hallway to my left. I was telling myself to stop staring down the hallway and pay attention to what the woman was saying. The more I looked at the hallway, the darker the hallway began to look. Finally, I broke my gaze and looked back at the woman, but only for a moment because now I was focusing on the portrait of a man hanging to the left side of the woman. I began to chuckle at myself as I found myself staring at the portrait again and again. The moment I dismissed the idea of the portrait staring at me and thought to myself, geez, Jen, you've been watching way too many Scooby-Doo cartoons with the kids. That's when the most incredible ghostly thing happened to me. You see, there was a tall floor lamp to my right side. And once I dismissed the feeling about anything paranormal, the final on top of the lampshade, well, it quickly unscrewed. It hit the ceiling and then smashed down to the floor in a clearly controlled manner. It landed in an upright position and directly between my feet. I was stunned, and with my mouth agape, I just looked at the woman in confusion. She looked back at me inside, dropped her shoulders, and gave a reassuring smile. She then apologized to me. Her exact words were, I'm so sorry. He gets very insulted when I don't introduce new people to him. This is our ghost, George. That's what we call him. Poor guy for some reason. He can't or won't leave. Once I was formally introduced to George, I could feel him walk away and go back down the hallway. After George left the room, she went on to tell me some more incredible stories of activities in the house. The most disturbing story was that the home had had a long history of the firstborn child dying while living in the home. I couldn't believe what I heard, especially after what I just witnessed. In a very concerning, almost angry tone, I asked the obvious question, what in God's name are you doing living here? You have four children. Aren't you afraid of your oldest? To which she replied, the oldest in all the stories have always been a girl. My oldest is a boy. Personally, I found this logic a bit scary, but I was not the one living in the house. A few years passed, I ran into another old friend who also knew the woman who had been living in the haunted house. I regret to say her logic was greatly flawed. I was informed that the woman's son committed suicide in the house a few years later. I still drive by this house frequently. I noticed it had been empty for quite a long time. I was always very glad to see it empty. However, about a year ago, I noticed it had been repainted and someone had moved in. I can't help but wonder if they know the history, but I'm too uncomfortable to knock on the door and ask. So it makes you wonder if it was the pressure of living in a haunted house that made the kid kill himself mm -hmm. or if there was some other intent with the the family ghost George mm -hmm. you know if he was not a good spirit yeah I don't know the way that it happens to the firstborn every single time mm -hmm. 
you want to know the history of all of that uh, as well. Yeah, that would be something where it's like, nope, nope the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be an odd conversation. You go knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Hi, I, I have a friend who used to live here and do you have any kids? <laughs> It's like, why? It's like, well, I heard uh, the firstborn always dies in this house. So Ugh. that would not be the um, the conversation to have with a stranger. No, no. That would be very threatening and creepy. And you don't go up to somebody and ask about their kids when you don't know. No. Them. Would you write an anonymous letter and put it in the mailbox? No, because <laughs> that's going to go to the police. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I guess they have to know the history. Or they don't have to know the history. I don't know. Would you want to know that history? I would have already checked out my yeah. website that I check out before I buy a house every time. Have you done it? on? No, this house is new enough. I'm not worried about it. Too new to... It's too new. People die. Yeah, people die. But, I mean, you said that you've already done your work on this and that you know who lives there and why they're leaving and everything. Yeah, it looks so, like a normal family. Yeah. Nothing. They did, however, have a really old person. I'm kidding, making that up. Yeah, I know. No, you are. it looks normal. I think we'll be good. Yeah. Now the land, however, there's nothing wrong with the land. The land looks nice. You did your research to make sure it wasn't on the Trail of Tears. No, the Trail of Tears is nearby, but it was not on the Trail of Tears. Is it bikeable to get to the Trail of Tears? Like oh, that? I'm sure it is. Walkable, or is that kind of a stretch? Um, that might be a stretch. Okay. I mean, the Trail of Tears is kind of just kind of an iffy, mm -hmm. you know, path. Well, there's like paths now, like there's roads that are like on it, right? No, what those are is where it's, it gives you a list of the roads that are the closest to following the oh. actual Trail of Tears. Is the trail still there that you can like go on? In some parts of the country it is. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Is it like a wagon wheel trail or is it? In some parts of the country, it is. Okay. I was just curious. I don't, I'm sorry if I don't know the answer. I just don't yeah. know what the... No, some parts, it looks like... Um, you know how we went to the mill, what was it, two days ago? Yeah. And we saw where there was like two <laughs> rows of trees. Yeah. Some of it just looks like that, but okay. then some of it looks like beaten down by wagons. Okay, where the path is still... Mm -hmm. But most of the, you know, most of the Native Americans, they actually walked on foot. So yeah. it was just beaten down. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Done our research. Yeah. Okay. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Next letter says, hi, just started listening to y'all's podcast and now I'm addicted. I've always been open and sensitive to spirit since I was young. As a little girl, I had seen things happen to me in or around my house growing up. Never questioned anything growing up. I had no idea there was any such thing as ghosts because it was never something that was talked about in my house. Anytime I did tell my mom about things happening, she would always brush it off and say, oh, it was just the electricity or famous. It was nothing. Don't worry about it. A little background story. My home is in St. Bernard Parish, a parish within New Orleans, Louisiana. The land that my street was built on and around was all plantation land at one point. As I got older, probably 10 or so is when I learned that the house that I grew up in and still lived in at the time was very much haunted. I overheard my mom tell my aunt and uncle stories one day, and I immediately was just in shock with chills covering my whole entire body. All I could think was, oh my God, everything that I questioned as a child was something 
and not nothing. There were things that I never did tell my mom about because, as I said, ghosts weren't spoken on in my house. So I knew nothing and wasn't ever really frightened. There was one night when I was about five or six, my cousin slept over and he joined my two older sisters in the room for a movie. They were watching American Pie. And at the time, I was too young to watch a movie like that, so I stayed in my room. Now, as I said, I was never a scary child growing up because I knew nothing. So I turned my TV on, turned my lights off, and kept my door open just a little bit in hopes that my cousin would come to join in my room to play after the movie was over. I remembered I was watching some cartoons on TV and something caught my attention in the hallway. I saw three pairs of lime green glowing eyes. There were no bodies, just eyes. I was floating in my hallway. Each set was as if it were the height of my two sisters and my cousin. Now, I knew nothing about ghosts, so I genuinely thought that it was my two sisters and my cousin going into my parents' room. I didn't question a damn thing. Then maybe less than a minute after, the eyes went from my parents' room back into my sister's room. I didn't get scared, although thinking about it as a 23-year-old me, I am freaked the fuck out. At the time, I never did tell my mom about what I saw because I just wasn't scared. If I would have been told, if I would have... Uh, if I would have told her, I'm sure she would have had some excuse like, oh, it was nothing to tell me anyway. So I got older, found out that my house did have not such friendly spirits in it. Ended up telling her this one story eventually, and she had tears in her eyes. She was like, why wouldn't you ever tell me that? And I replied, because you didn't listen and always brushed it off. Her reasoning behind her never talking about it, but what went on in the house is because... What was in there was extremely evil and fed off fear. It would mock people, changing its voice, and it would show itself as others, all familiar faces. They ended up getting in the getting the house blessed several times, each time making it worse until this one day it actually worked and there was peace again in my home. But that's a whole other story that I'll save for another time. My parents still live in that same house today. I think there is still a spirit trapped there, but I do believe he or she is harmful. I thought this experience of mine was interesting, and I hope to hear this on the show to hear your thoughts on it. I'll be sending in more stories of me and my family's experiences soon. Thanks. I'll be sure to keep listening. I'm glad it finally worked to kind of calm things down. Yeah. Random question. Do they make contact lenses that make that glow in the dark? Like if you were in a dark room, you could see the eyes that'd be glowing I know there's like colored contact lenses. I would imagine so, but I don't know the answer. I'm just curious, just because that would be fun. <laughs> kind of came in like in your mind, like this would be a fun one to do at Halloween. Well, she was talking about the glowing eyes in the hallway being mm-hmm. the same heights of sisters and cousin. And sure. Yeah, so I just kind of thought that'd be fun. Yes, that would be fun <laughs> and creepy. Uh, what do you, What do you think of that? Where the uh, the parents. Uh, you know, were they doing the right thing there of we're not we, we know things are going on, but we're not going to talk about it because the note we know the more we talk about it, the more it stirs things up. They knew it fed off fear. So trying to minimize the fear was probably the right thing to do in this case, mm-hmm. being that they they already seemed to know it was evil and then it fed off fear. Yeah. Now, if it were just a regular spirit just there, then that's when I'm more in the camp of validate what your kids are seeing so they don't start to feel like they're nuts but if you're you know trying to suppress fear so that it doesn't gain strength then yeah is there ever a way to validate the kids without the entity knowing that you've done that 
Like, can you do it outside of the house and talk about it? Or does it just know, you know, oh, they know now. I mean, how good are kids at keeping secrets? Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it, it I guess, depends on the kid. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it had to be one of those things where you're, you know, yes, we know there's something here. And if you're doing that in the house, it's going to find out. But if you do it outside of the house, will it not? I would imagine it would. Yeah. Yeah. At least it'd be a, a, a chance I wouldn't want to take, I think. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Hi, my name is Suzanne, and I'm calling about a house that I lived in in Tucker, Georgia in the 1990s. And as I was listening to your show, which I actually just discovered today, I was thinking, what story could I possibly share about this house? Because this house had some very light incidents that happened, and then there were some extreme terrifying, horrifying things that happened in the house. And I didn't I didn't want to go in heavy. I didn't want to come in hot. So I was like, all right, well, there's this story, and then there's that story, and, and there's, okay, there's that story. And I'm trying to shuffle through one that I thought that would be interesting. And I landed on uh, just actually how we ended up moving into the house uh, when we had first moved. Uh, we're looking for a home. Uh, we saw this in the newspaper and we went to go look at it. It was in our price range, which made it appealing. And when we went in to look at it, it seemed like the house was. Uh, and, and I would refer to it almost like an entity now, but at that time, you know, it was just a house. Um, but it seemed like the house was just showing us its best features, kind of like it knew what we were looking for, and that's where it shined. We noticed no, there were so many flaws with the house. There were so many things that, in retrospect, should have just been glaring. Um, but it, it didn't. And we were just totally looking at this house through rose-colored glasses. And it really wasn't even that great of a house, which is, you know, another weird aspect of it. I mean, it was just nothing special. But like I said, it was shining on the uh, things that it knew that were important to us. I mean, for instance, that, you know, my husband had his own automotive repair business, you know, but this house had a detached garage that was huge and he could do his side projects in it. And for me, I was into the country uh, decor and stuff and the dining room was, you know, that way and my husband wanted a fireplace and it had, you know, a fireplace and it had a, you know, they had converted the back porch area into this huge master bathroom, you know, double vanity. My husband was gaga over that. But there were things about the house that were muted down that would have called attention to any prospective person looking at it. Um, and we found out later that it had been for rent for almost a year and nobody would move into it. And I felt kind of stupid 
later because I've all I'm always been sensitive. I've been sensitive since as long as I can remember having memories. And I know my husband's sensitive. He's had encounters um, throughout his early adult life, and then he had a very bad experience, and then just shut it down. He didn't want to didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to have discussions about it. Just okay that it happens, but we're not talking about it. So. You know, he wasn't, his alarm bells weren't going off because, like I said, it was almost like the house was casting a spell on us. And I just didn't, I should have picked up on things, but I didn't. Um, but my toddler, I had a toddler at the time, my firstborn son, and he just hated it. He cried the whole time we were there. Um, he would go to the door and he would bang on the door, like knocking on the door. And I want to go home. I w- and he would just cry and he was crying because we looked at it twice. And um, I just thought it was just some sort of anxiety. Like I said, it's almost like the house was putting us at ease and brushing away any concerns that we had. No, no way, no how we were, we were getting into this house. It was going to have us. And so we ended up moving in, and and during the process of, you know, getting moved in and getting squared away, my son continued to be unhappy, and he continued to cry, and he was very upset and very distraught. He didn't want to sleep at night. He was constantly at the door, you know, saying that he wanted to leave, and and I just thought it was change anxiety. Um, But I started to see shadow cats in the house and I don't not one shadow cat out of the corner of your eye and and when I say shadow cats like ghost animals and I I just thought it was just strange the amount not that I saw them you know because people have pets and pets die and you know they may hang around and I've had it happen over the years when we've had pets that have passed away they they hung around for a while and then they go um, but there was just an, just a ridiculous amount of cats that were, you know, underneath this chair or on the couch or I would see slink around the corner. Um, just this went on all day and it went on the next day. And, you know, I said something to my husband about it. I said, there are ghost cats all over this house. I mean, they're everywhere. There's a lot of them. And he was just like, wow, that's unusual. And he was like, he likes cats, so it just really wasn't offensive to him. But, you know, he he didn't want to talk about it any further. And so we didn't talk about it any further. Like two to three years later, um, and many, many things transpiring in the house in between, um, he was in the backyard conversing with the the old lady that lived next door. She had dogs, and, and we had a dog, and they like to, you know, just do dog things at the fence. And we both had to, he had to go out to get our dog because um, he had jumped over into her yard, and, you know, they ended up striking up a conversation. And somehow another, they got into a conversation about the guy who lived in the house before us and what a horrible person um, this this man was. 
and that he would, uh, he had a boat that he had parked in the driveway, and he would uh, get drunk, and he would get out on his boat, and she believed that he was killing the neighborhood cats, um, because apparently the neighborhood had a lot of cat lovers, um, and they were outdoor, indoor, outdoor cats, and anybody who had an indoor, outdoor cat, um, slowly their cats just started disappearing over a quite rapid bit of time. And my husband is just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, he's, you know, having this flashback of this conversation while we were moving in and me telling him about all of these spirit cats that are in the house. And, of course, he didn't say anything to her, but, I mean, when he was hearing her talk about how horrible this guy was and uh, all the cats that had disappeared and she knew that he, you know, was killing these cats. And my husband is sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, he definitely was killing the cats because they're, you know, they were here when we moved in. And he came back from talking to her, and I was in the kitchen, and he said, um, yeah, I was talking to Miss Sarah next door, and she mentioned uh, something about the guy who used to live in this house before us and you remember when you told me about the the shadow cats that you were seeing while you know you were unpacking and getting things settled when we first moved in and I'm thinking wow that well that one from way back I mean because that was two three years ago and I'm like yeah because that's something I wasn't going to easily forget because of the amount of cats that I saw. And he said, well, I think, um, you know, she just told me that the guy that lived here before, um, she believes he was killing all the neighborhood cats. And he said it was just so random of a thing to reference about the guy that it was like a confirmation. He was like, and I just... I just felt compelled to come in and tell you. And I was like, wow, you know, I really appreciate the validation. Um, Could you believe me a little bit more about some other things that go on in this house? And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. But that was was one of the things that, you know, when we first moved in, you know, I noticed right away that there was a lot of spirit animals in the house, and then it just progressively got worse. My son didn't settle into the house until he was probably two. Um, He was very distraught until um, he made a friend, in air quotes, that kind of turned things around for him. But there were many, many things that went on in the house, some very, very, like I said, terrifying things. But that house really sucked us in. And I know that when people watch movies and they see things like this happening and they're like, why don't these people move out of the house? We lived there for four years and we didn't have a way to, I mean, we were a young couple, we had a, you know, a small child, and, you know, we just started a business. We didn't have the money to just, you know, pack everything up and find a new place and, you know, first and last months and all the utility switches and, 
you know, my husband just refused to kind of latch on to the idea because he knew it was going to be daunting. He knew it was going to be very, you know, a big burden to move. Um, and until it started, you know, to impact him, you know, it really wasn't going to sway him to move us out of the house. He just knew that I was very sensitive and clearly, you know, our son was also sensitive, um, particularly in his innocence, that, you know, as long as it wasn't dangerous, that, you know, he just wasn't going to, we weren't going to up and move our life. That's where it wraps up. Yeah. I I mean, it's hard when you have a toddler like that, because you don't know if it's just because it's different or if there's something there, but the cats, the shadow cats, mm-hmm. the ghosts of all the cats, the guy that lived there before killed that's that's like pet cemetery kind of stuff that's crazy that would be yeah i mean just to have that that's such a there's got to be other things going on with someone if you're just willingly going out and killing the neighborhood cats yeah i mean what's what's wrong with that like that's that's what we're aware of on the surface of what's going on that they caught him at what other shit's going on well what i mean by by what's wrong with that is what's wrong with neighborhood cats you know there's they pests away yeah so i don't understand i don't i don't get it thank you for sharing that uh that experience with us there will be a weird moment though it's like oh my god these are all ghost cats yeah you know they'd just be a, like holy shit that is what it is you know because you think ghost people you think that's like oh my god there's all these dead cats uh-huh. that are roaming around and, you know uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number at real ghost stories online to share your real ghost stories with us and that's going to wrap up today's episode of the program if you like it keep us on the air become an extra podcast person an epp sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories get all the bonus content and help keep this program on the air until next time for jenny i'm tony thanks for listening to real ghost stories online it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold coca-cola in your hand stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of coca-cola or coca-cola zero sugar or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of diet coke sprite or fanta so no matter how you soak in that summer sun at home or on the go grab an ice cold coca-cola today and enjoy at Troncali Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, we treat you like one of our own. With the friends and family advantage, you'll get no hassle upfront pricing every time and upfront trade-in value. We'll even purchase your car if you buy elsewhere. When you need to service, we have convenient hours, genuine Mopar parts, and factory-trained technicians. And as an award-winning dealership, you'll always have a satisfying experience. So visit Troncali Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 9 in Cumming and online at troncalijeep.com. Tap the banner for details.